Nicholas came from a bit of a, a difficult background. Uh, his biological father was uh, abusive. And then his mother found another uh, partner who was also uh, tricky, to say the least. Um, and so eventually, because of domestic um, problems, he went into foster care. Um, and then uh, he found himself going back and forth to the state house in Providence, Rhode Island, where he somehow managed to convince legislators to get him a job as what is known there as a legislative page, which effectively is a person that does a lot of admin um, jobs for uh, representatives inside the state house. Then for several years, he disappeared from Rhode Island, but then reappeared, managed to get back into the state house and get himself, I suppose, considerable media attention again on this whole issue of children's rights and changing the legislation around it. Yeah, that's correct. So he was actually taken into out-of-state foster care um, where I think he was in Nebraska, Ohio and Florida. Then he came back to uh, Rhode Island where he was also in foster care. Um, and then as when he came of age, he kind of came back and started where he'd left off, started lobbying and started trying to get local lawmakers to overhaul the foster system, which he believed was deeply flawed because he'd suffered there a lot um, and that he'd experienced a lot of abuse uh, and there were lots of problems that he wanted to sort. And this was all around 2011, 2013. The last that was heard of him in Rhode Island was 2020, when he said he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, followed by news of his death. That's correct. So, yeah, exactly. He was he was kind of campaigning between 2011 all the way up until about 2017, where he effectively disappeared, disappeared off the, the face of the earth. Some people thought he was in Switzerland. Other people thought he was in Russia. There were reports that he was, in fact, in Ireland. Um, and then all of a sudden this announcement came through that he was suffering from uh, lymphoma. And then shortly afterwards, uh, he announced or his office announced his own death. Um, and then everyone thought he'd he had gone effectively. And even though his death was marked in the Rhode Island State House, there were a number of people who believed that he, he was not dead. And police authorities began watching a man in Scotland called Arthur Knight, who claims to be Irish. Exactly. So the FBI had a, a warrant, an investigation open, and they were investigating him for financial crimes. And there were also ongoing investigations uh, in Utah. And so it was a kind of joint police effort, FBI, uh, state authorities that were able to track him down. Um, and in fact, the FBI spoke to him um, and he was in Ireland or he said he was in Ireland. Um, and then he sort of disappeared off the face of the earth until uh, a man who authorities believed was Nicholas Rossi uh, turned up in a hospital in Glasgow um, with COVID. Uh, that man was then arrested, um, but he always denied that he was Nicholas Rossi. In fact, he said he was a man called Arthur Knight, who, as you've said, was uh, an Irish orphan And this, this man apparently at one point held an Irish driver's licence under the name of Nick or Nicholas Brown. Is it likely that he has spent time here in Ireland? So from what I can make out from the investigation and the extradition documents, US authorities did uh, track him on a flight from the United States to Ireland. Uh, with no return ticket. Uh, and the people that I spoke to about this man in the UK as well often refer to the fact that he was going back and forth to Ireland, although it is a bit of a mystery what that connection is um, and how, in fact, he got hold of that driver's licence. That driver's licence is mentioned in extradition documents 
um, which were issued by the Utah state authorities, which kind of give a breakdown of investigation. And that's effectively how the the American authorities uh, came together with Interpol and then Interpol um, got together with the UK authorities and they were able to kind of track him down and trace his movements um, from the US to Ireland and then in the UK uh, itself. And why are the US police so intent on tracking down this man and bringing him back to America? So he's wanted in connection, or Nicholas Rossi, Nicholas Alvadarian, which is another of his aliases, he's wanted the connection uh, with two rapes um, which took place in uh, Utah State um, in 2008. Uh, there are also other investigations that were opened against him. As I mentioned before, there's the FBI investigating for financial fraud, and there were lots of police incident reports um, all throughout the United States in places like Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Ohio, um, in which he's wanted for a myriad of, of, of crimes, uh, effectively, from domestic uh, disturbances to a possible kidnapping. Although he hasn't been charged in connection with those crimes, I should make that clear. It's just their open sort of police reports, which um, uh, kind of which one can get access to in the in the United States. So it seems that as well as lobbying at the Rhode Island State House, that, that this man may have been leading a, a separate life, a double life in, in many states. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think one, one can definitely say that you had this pristine political career in Rhode Island where he was uh, a relatively well-known lobbyist um, and a person that often appeared in the local press. Um, but in other states, he was convicted in Ohio uh, as a sex offender um, and then, according to police allegations, committed many other crimes, which he's yet to stand trial for, but there are certainly um, active investigations against him for those crimes. And in court in Edinburgh, he is sticking to his story that he's Irish, that he's, he's making quite a splash for himself in, in the Scottish media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think even after the extradition um, trial concluded, or the ju- the sheriff, as they refer to them in Scotland, uh, concluded that he was Nicholas Rossi and not Arthur Knight. Um, he still continues to say that he's Arthur Knight, and the extradition hearings are still ongoing. Um, and there's also the possibility that Essex police uh, are are investigating him. They're they're certainly trying to interview him in um, at the moment in connection with uh, another rape allegation. So he's being pinned down on all all, all fronts. Really, at the moment. Any involvement by the Irish authorities in the investigation? As far as I can make out, uh, the Irish authorities haven't been... I mean, I don't know for a fact. I think it's probably the best uh, way to say it. Um, because a lot of the things that Arthur Knight, Nicholas Rossi, was saying in court are likely to be fabrications. So the connection with Ireland still remains a mysterious one. Um, we know that he was there. We know that according to uh, US uh, court documents and police investigations, he did have this driver's license under the name Nicholas Brown. And he, Nicholas Rossi, Arthur Knight still insists that he is uh, from, you know, from a, a poor background in Ireland. Um, or then again, that it kind of changes all the time. So it's very difficult to know exactly where or what he, where he's from, but they, he's certainly insisting that there are these Irish connections, but it's very difficult to know exactly uh, what they mean, if and, indeed they are true at all. Is there firm evidence that Arthur Knight is Nicholas Rossi? So, yes, I mean, the uh, the uh, the hearing in Edinburgh, a whole host of, of uh, um, evidence was was revealed in court, so there are finger pr- fingerprints which um, match fingerprints of Nicholas Rossi in Rhode Island, the ones that uh, Arthur Knight gave to Scottish authorities. There are also tattoos which were identified 
in previous um, police investigations in the States, which matched uh, eyewitness testimony from the time that he was in a coma in hospital. Um, and then there are obviously outside of court, there are all the other people that I spoke to in my investigation who you know, recognize him as Nicholas Rossi. So the man who's saying he's Arthur Knight is in fact Nicholas Rossi. So the main ones in court were the fingerprints and the tattoos, which were um, verified. And then outside anecdotally from my investigations, there's a whole host of people that now um, definitely are willing to accept. And if not said before that he was, that this man who says he's Arthur Knight is in fact Nicholas Rossi. Okay. And he is in jail in Scotland at the moment. What, what happens? He, what do you expect will happen next? So there's still more extradition hearings to to take place. Um, as I said, the, the Essex police are also wanting to interview him in connection with another rape allegation. So, I mean, the whole process could be drawn out, but effectively, if he goes back to the United States, he'll stand trial for these two rape allegations, plus the possible a possible federal uh, crime um, for the financial fraud. And then there's also the possibility that if the Essex police pursue their investigation, that he will be tried or charged and then tried uh, in England. So that would off, that would complicate the, the matter. So essentially, I think that it's there's still a lot to be decided. Uh, what the Scottish courts and the UK courts have decided is that uh, he is Nicholas Rossi um, and that um, at some point uh, they will decide whether he's going to be extradited or not. And Matthew, after investigating this yourself as a journalist for several months, what's your own impressions of of this man? I think the interesting thing from a psychological point of view about Arthur Knight, Nicholas Rossi, is that if you look at the way that Nicholas Rossi can progress throughout his life, even though he was committing a whole host of crimes, leading a double life, he always tried to re- um, reinvent himself as a victim, as a person that had overcome lots of strife, that was the hero of his own narrative. Um, and he was always sort of harking back to that idea that he had, he had suffered somehow at the hands of the system. And that story kind of replicates itself in each of the avatars that which he's kind of subsequently gone under. Um, but in the end, you know, he is a registered sex offender. He has been accused of some very uh, difficult and complicated crimes. He has made a lot of people suffer, allegedly and ostensibly. So, um, you know, it's difficult to have too much sympathy for him. But he, his, his life seems to have been in some way propelled by a difficult childhood. Um, when that became cynically used and criminally used, um, it's, it's difficult to know.